the music's like working class or music's middle class, you know, the people who make a living from music but are not um, playing arenas. I think it's incredibly important. I know the indie world. I know the struggle. I'm very familiar. I am sensitive to it. And you're right. We should be covering it more, especially since it's a bigger slice of the pie because it's so much easier to get past the gatekeepers and just Mm -hmm. get what you need. Why do you need the major behind you? The best thing they provide is marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something you can hire out for. So Mm -hmm. I I understand the predicament. Um, We do need to give it more focus. I think during COVID, because no one was touring, it was like we didn't have those shows to cover. We didn't have that buzz happening. You know, everybody sort of you know, looked at like, well, what are the stories? Well, the stories are TikTok. And why is a story TikTok? Because it's breaking records, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we got away from it. That's not to say that it's not thought about or cared Mm. about. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book third edition now available for pre-order it's coming out january 17th go pick it up a lot of new stuff in there today my guest is shirley halperin she is the top music editor and one of the most influential music journalists in the country she's a top music editor at variety variety magazine yes uh i guarantee you whether you knew it or not you have read her work you have heard her interviews she has influenced virtually every music writer over the last 10, 20 years, uh, mentored many of them, and um, she has interviewed Scooter Braun and Guy Siri and Harry Styles and Katy Perry, Adele, Snoop Dogg, the list goes on and on. And so, you know, we talk about uh, where music journalism is at and the focus of it. Now, also what we talk about is I feel like Shirley and I uh, are in... More or less the same industry, but we're on separate planes. And uh, I I bring this up as I I feel like, you know, as she's part of the more or less the mainstream music journalism medium uh, media. And uh, I'm kind of more in this uh, independent realm. She covers a superstar industry and the people that operate in the superstar industry. And uh, most of the guests that I have on the show or write about are part of the independent music community and operating and functioning in that plane. So we kind of go head to head and discuss that. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. I had a wonderful time chatting with with Shirley. Uh, She's an absolute legend and hope you you dig it. As always, you can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstan on Instagram and Twitter. You can find Shirley and Variety on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. And uh, visit Ari'sTake.com. Get on that email list. That's where you're going to find the most up-to-date, relevant information about the new music business. We send out uh, emails regularly, but not too much. Uh, about the the music industry we actually just put a, a call out to people we're hosting uh, Ari's Take is hosting an official stage at South by Southwest this year it's an official stage that means you'll be in all the billing and and, and all of that stuff and you'll be getting paid all of it and uh, if you're on the email list you got that uh, by the time you're listening to this applications will probably have been closed by this point but that's that's what you do. We host a bunch of different events and um, get on that email list if you want to be notified about that stuff, ariestake.com. Also, if you haven't left us a review and you've been listening to the show and you dig it, please leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Those really help. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment. We'll get back to you there. All right, let's kick into the show. Shirley Halperin, welcome to the show. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, this is interesting because... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially, we are, we are uh, turning around the proverbial 
microphones and the tables. You're on the other side of this proverbial table. I, I've seen you in my chair, in the interviewer chair, so many times over the years, and you've conducted, uh, I I mean, I don't know if we could even count thousands of probably interviews at this point and interviewed so many people uh, that I've seen and, and read so many of your articles. Now you're going to be in the chair that gets to be interviewed, um, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk to you because I feel like we cover opposite sides of the industry. Um, you're kind of uh, you you interview a lot of superstars. You cover the stars and uh, moguls, business moguls, and everything like that. And uh, and I feel like you you're kind of in that realm. And I'm gonna we're gonna dig into that a little bit later. But uh, I feel like you know. Um, I'm this, you know, mostly in this scrappy indie DIY realm, which Mm -hmm. has kind of really risen in prominence over the last 10 years. Um, And uh, I'm I'm curious just to uh, see where we where we collide here, because uh, I didn't know how much overlap there was. And uh, I'm curious to jump in. But before we before we get into all that, I know you just had um, your the Variety's big hit makers event this year. Can you just like discuss what that is and how it started. I know I believe you had a hand in starting that or launching that when you came to Variety. Uh, but like step us back to what Hitmakers is because it looked like an incredible event um, and just how the event went. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was. I'm finally like caught up on my sleep because I literally <laughs> have not slept for like many weeks. Um, it is. It's our big tentpole event and I came up with it um, really after doing a lot of power lists over the years. You know, these power lists and you know, power 100, 40 under 40, you know, I'd done so many of them and they felt very gratuitous. Um, (laughs) You know, like it's like whoever had the highest title or the most clout or the, you know, the ear of somebody would get on these lists and it never recognized the people who actually did the work or, you know, rarely did it recognize those people. So I came up with this idea of like, well, let's take the 25 biggest songs of the year and let's break them down Mm. and let's figure out who worked on what, who produced it, who wrote it, where did the idea come from, who Mm -hmm. came up with the sample, um, who A&R'd the project, who marketed Mm. it. You know, if it was like a big sink, who worked on the sink? Like this year, Running Up That Hill is the like 12th most consumed song of the year. Um, So we recognize the person at Sony Publishing who got that song cleared. And right. it's a really interesting mix. It's about 150 people mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, A&R promotion, marketing, commerce, management, executives. It really runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool to be in a room where you have like Ethan Stevens, who like engineered, you know, uh, I think it was Jimmy Cooks by Drake and Julie Greenwald, the chairman of the Atlantic Records Music Group. Like to have mm-hmm. the two of them like sitting within feet of each other, I thought was kind of cool. And Um, anyway, it went really well and, and we had some, we had some stars, but it was really mostly about the people in the industry who really make shit happen. That's great because, uh, these are the unsung heroes, the ones that are not typically on stages necessarily, um, at the, at the massive award shows and, and the ones that, you know, we don't really have, um, even credits as much, uh, anymore with the loss of physical media, you know, the credits, it's, it's hard. Spotify is only really showing us uh, producer and songwriters, maybe if those mm-hmm. credits get to them. Um, so it's nice to know, uh, you know, any way to, to highlight some of these, uh, people that are working behind the scenes, especially on the business side, because there is so much that happens. Um, you know, like you mentioned with the sync, the running up that hill sync, uh, the Kate Bush song. And I, I, uh, I read that piece and listen to a bit of the the podcast where um in that that AR that you're talking about um i mean i guess it amy was coles. Uh, amy coles right yeah mm-hmm. um who made that happen and uh you know uh nora feldman of course the uh the music supervisor um uh for uh stranger things, stranger that, things. that got that synced but um so that's that's awesome what inspired you um i guess when you uh came to variety which was what five six how long have you been at variety five six yeah, years five or years like that? i came to, in 2017 right um to kind of uh i guess when you first got to variety what was the focus and why why like what what was your angle what are you kind of when you jumped into this place that didn't traditionally cover music necessarily 
and here you are coming in um, as like the music person. Uh, what did you want to bring and, and uh, how has that worked out over the last five years? Well, I love relaunching magazines. I've done a lot of them in my career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything from like huge consumer magazines like Us Weekly when it relaunched mm -hmm. in 2002. I worked there. Um, teen people relaunched. Uh, what does I, it mean to relaunch? What is that? To relaunch means to like completely redo the magazine, rip it up. Oh, okay. You know, new styles, new new fonts, new everything. Mm. Um, sometimes you tweak the coverage. Um, you know, you give it, you breathe it new life. Usually okay. when you relaunch a magazine, it means that something is stagnating. Mm. Um, and the idea of starting something new, which is like a relaunch, really appealed to me. Um, I'd already been at The Hollywood Reporter where Janice Min relaunched and I was on that team. Okay. So I really felt like I'd already kind of gotten to the trade world, um, was able to understand how trade magazines were different from consumer magazines. Um, and I spent the next, you know, 2010, I got to The Hollywood Reporter and, uh, you know, here we are at Variety. So 12 years of trade magazine experience. Mm -hmm. um, in the middle of that, I worked at Billboard, too, because <laughs> Billboard also needed a relaunch um, at around 2012, 2013. And Janice Min, who was the president of Hollywood Reporter, got oversight of Billboard as well. She's mm. not, I think she would admit, admittedly say she doesn't know a ton about music. Mm -hmm. So um, she brought me in to, to relaunch that. And we literally like flew to New York, you know, spent a couple of weeks with the staff, getting to know everyone, ripping up the pages, renaming everything. And mm. it's exciting, cool. you know, yeah. I I've, yeah. I know print is an old medium, but as someone who's worked in it, like my whole life, anytime yeah. you get those opportunities, they're very exciting. Um, and Variety had no music coverage to speak right. of. Yeah. They didn't have a dedicated music editor. And in fact, one of the things I like to laugh about is Variety didn't understand music so much that back in like 1956, it wrote that rock and roll was a fad and Elvis like would be gone by the summer. So <laughs> that this is not a place that words, had a reputation right. <laughs> for sure. solid music coverage. But sure. I think they saw in me like, you know, they could hit the ground running. I ar mm -hmm. already had just like a, like I said, like seven years, eight years of experience. I had a team. Um, I had a lot of ideas like hit makers. Um, there were a lot of things I just couldn't pull off at Hollywood Reporter or, Bill or mm. at Billboard for various reasons. And I was like, here's an opportunity. There's budget. There, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. magazine. They're putting a mm -hmm. lot of money into print, which people don't really do, but you can do in mm -hmm. the trade world because it's the mm -hmm. one place where advertising has not fallen like huh. like the the rest of media. So anyway, mm. that's what happened. It was an yeah. opportunity. I wasn't looking for it. It came to me and I was like, oh, the chance to launch a new project to come up with some new ideas. Yeah, sure. So what's your focus um, as uh, the the music, the head of the music department, I guess, at, at Variety? Um, what is the focus of the magazine and what do you cover? It's the entertainment business up and down okay. from okay. the C-suite down to the person who does makeup on a film set. And okay. especially the below the line people, those people who do makeup, production, costuming. So what I did was I took what Variety is really good at, which is that, the covering of the craft of movie making or of, of uh, making TV shows, and I applied it to music. Mm. So again, it's like, yeah, we do do a, uh, we do interview a lot of big stars, but we interview right. a lot more producers and songwriters and executives. Mm. Um, they because they're so strong on below the line in film and TV. I said we need to be strong on below the line in music, and that includes music for film and music for TV. You know, mm -hmm. the music supervisors have not had an easy you know, decade and a half right. of, of trying to win the respect of the industry. And we are like, like full on in that, yep. you know, advocating for them. Um, we call it music for screens, but it's any music that's applied to visual media. We cover mm. I don't think there's any other media that covers it the way we do or as much or as regularly. Yeah. So I saw these like opportunities that were already there at Variety. And mm -hmm. I just like reapplied them to the music world. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, we, we cover, 
uh, sync licensing and music for screens uh, on this show quite a bit. We had Madonna Wade Reed on. Uh, she was discussing, uh, you know, the fight for music supervisors to unionize and all that goes into that because, you know, famously, music supervisors are one of the only contractors uh, not in, uh, protected by employee benefits on a film set. Um, everybody else who works on a film uh, kind of is protected by uh, employment uh, law, like W-2, employees and all of that, except for the, the music supervisors. And so she was on talking about that. But, you know, more so it's, it's um, you know, what I find with um, Variety's coverage and, and just kind of uh, your angle in particular, which I'm curious to hear your perspective on, is um, writing for... Uh, the kind of th- those people that you're highlighting, meaning that executive level or the people just below that line and those in the industry, do you find, um, because yes, they're the, you know, the unsung and the people behind the scenes, but it is still, I still consider that the superstar business, mm. um, you know, with the, with independence pulling in 30 to 35% of the global market share, I rarely see uh, the independent music community covered by any of these mainstream news outlets like Variety or Hollywood Reporter, Billboard has definitely jumped into that finally, you know, mm-hmm. after years. And that's like, you know, when I was coming up um, uh, as an indie touring musician, uh, there was nothing out there for for any of us to learn how to do the music business. You read Donald Passman's book, and you're like, oh, okay, I need these five key people on my team. Cool. I know how to negotiate a record contract. Where's the record contract for me to negotiate? Because no <laughs> one, he definitely didn't tell you how to get a record deal. No one was telling you how to get a record deal. They're just like, oh, you need a record deal. You need a publisher. You need a publicist. You need a manager, and you need a booking agent. And you're like, oh, cool. How? How? Literally nobody was saying how to do any of this stuff. And so it's like, I was looking around, and this was 10 years ago. I'm looking around. I'm just like, who is talking to the tens of thousands of independent musicians and managers and everybody else trying to figure this out? And it's kind of – it's so elusive. I felt there's this massive gap by, like, the superstar industry like you're talking about. Whether you work in a major label, you're still in the superstar industry. That's their entire focus is how do we make superstars? How do we get that? And then this leap – To the tens of thousands of other people who are working in our industry. But I didn't see anybody talking about that. So, like, you know, when I launched Ari's Take as a blog, saying, like, here's what I'm learning running a music career. And then I got to talk to – and then I started interviewing hundreds, literally hundreds of managers and booking agents and indie labels and artists. And I'm like – holy shit, there's a movement happening here. There's a lot of, there. like these people are making shit really happen and literally nobody was talking about it. I'm just like, why is everyone ignoring this? So I'm like curious, you know, as somebody who has had the opportunity to interview virtually anyone and everyone in the industry from Scooter Braun to Harry Styles to everybody in between, has there ever been that discussion over the last 10 to 15 years as we've seen the industry shift away this power dynamic from you need a major label to have a successful music career to holy shit the indies have 35 percent of the market share and you know they are they're doing very very well and there's a subculture and there's middle class musicians and all of that has there ever been a discussion of let's talk about that let's cover that or is it just like that's not a readership we don't care no, it's definitely something that I've thought about. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's the music's like working class or music's middle class, you know, the people yeah. who make a living from music but are not um, playing arenas. I totally get that, and I think it's incredibly important. I have roots in the indie world because my husband was in an amazing indie band called The Lilies and then The Pernice Brothers and had like a just beautiful run of amazing albums in the 90s, a lot of which were recorded at my house. So I know (laughs) I know the indie world. I know the struggle. I'm very familiar. My favorite bands are, you know, bands like The Fruit Bats, who are definitely very indie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I am sensitive to it. And you're right. We should be covering it more, especially since it's a bigger slice of the pie because it's so much easier to get past the gatekeepers and just Mm -hmm. get what you need. Um, There's actually a pretty good example of it even today. I noticed that Mike Dean, super producer, worked with Travis Scott, you know, Kanye, whoever, all the, Mm -hmm. the big rappers, Madonna and all kinds of people. 
He was on Zane Lowe today on Apple Music. And I know he just like texted Zane Lowe or got got that booking himself. There was Mm -hmm. no label involved. There was no manager. There was no publicist. When you can do something like that, then yeah, yeah, why do you need the major behind you? The Mm -hmm. only thing they provide, you know, or the best thing they provide is marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something you can hire out for. So Mm -hmm. I, I understand the predicament. Um, we do need to give it more focus. I think during COVID, because no one was touring, mm-hmm. you know, it was like we didn't have those shows to cover. We didn't have that buzz happening. You know, everybody sort of, you know, looked at like, well, what are the stories? Well, the stories are TikTok. And why is a story TikTok? Because it's breaking records, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we got away from it. That's not to say that it's not thought about or cared mm-hmm. about. Another kind of like good example of the way I approach indie stuff yeah. Is for example, this new song by One Republic called "I Ain't Worried." It's mm-hmm. from the Top Gun soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a flip of Peter Bjorn and John's Young Folks. I mean, listen to it. It is, it is that. And if you okay. look at the credits, mm-hmm. Peter Bjorn and John are credited on it. Uh-huh. So of course, I know Peter Bjorn and John. So I t- yep. email Bjorn and I'm like, "Hey, can we do an article about your place and?" in the song and mm-hmm. i later learned that it's like now it's like a conflict did they actually you know c- mm. do they need to credit ryan tedder does an interview with us and i tell chris woman our star music writer make sure you ask him about this peter bjorn and john thing yeah. i want to know and yeah. then he gets the whole story and that's how we bring the indie into it you know well, because the mage, because the big artist stole from the indie. <laughs> yes, but I'm smart I mean, enough to know that Peter Bjorn and John is worth talking to. Totally. You know, like because I appreciate their audience, even though it's not huge, yeah. and they are indie, and you can email them. You know, and that's kind of what I'm trying to say. These things yeah. pop up, and we find our way in. That's good, and and I'm curious. Um, so, who is Variety's readership, and specifically the music readership of Variety? It's entertainment industry so it's everyone from like steven spielberg you know down to the guy working at the recording studio mm-hmm. um you know a lot of sound professionals mm-hmm. and a lot of creatives and people who sell ip of course the tech industry is looking at us just so we can tell them what everybody else is talking about sure. um but you know listen this magazine is a hundred and 10 years old almost crazy it's like it's one of the oldest brands in america there are very few brands that go back to 1905 and are still around (laughs) you know yeah yeah. and that speaks to like kind of like its purpose in the world which is Mm. to provide an unfiltered lens at what is happening in hollywood and that includes music which for a long time was the dark horse, the redheaded stepchild, whatever you want to call it. Music Mm -hmm. was not in the conversation. And now it is, you know, and that's the big difference. Yeah. And I mean, as in the the uh, Hollywood limelight and and all of that. And of course, you know, in the public, uh, it was there. I'm curious where you think uh, music journalism, uh, specifically the the purpose of it is now i mean for some context you know people aren't discovering music anymore from editorial from print you know from from you know it's not like i don't know if they ever did (laughs) well maybe there was a small window (laughs) right i don't know i mean like you know it seemed like there was more relevance to uh album reviews concert reviews that kind of stuff 20 30 years ago but even i mean even in the indie realm um and and you know most artists that came about uh, 10 years ago will cite influential music blogs as their jumping off point. Um, you know, most of the the superstars uh, will cite that even, you know, they started there uh, because, you know, if you got a, a write up 10 years ago, if you chart, see, if you started charting on Hype Machine, which is the music blog aggregator 10 years ago, and, you, you know, you got like 10 of these influential blogs and you're in the top 10 of the uh, most written about hype machine artist or song of that week, that day, whatever, everyone in the industry is calling you. It's like if you, you know, five years ago, you got on New Music Friday on Spotify or you have a song now trending on TikTok, everyone's calling you. So even 10 years ago, I saw that, you know, music journalism in some capacity was incredibly relevant because people were discovering you got to write up on Consequence of Sound 10 years ago. 300,000 SoundCloud plays overnight. And that that was significant. That meant something. I'm curious your opinion of what 
music journalism, the the point of it or the focus is now just for maybe the general public, but also the industry? Well, I think contextualizing the music we have today, you know, with mm. the past is very important. Like, um, you know, if you look at the top 25 songs this year, three of them have huge interpolations where it, it is key to the song. Big Energy, which uh, samples Tom Tom Club, First Class with Fergie, Cold Heart with all the Elton John songs. You know, these are new these are new creations to a mm-hmm. new generation. But and someone to explain needs, yeah, to what to, an interpolation. Do you want to d- explain oh, what an oh, sorry. interpolation is? An interpolation means? is is like a sound alike. So, you know, in Big Energy, um Tom Tom Clubs and Mariah Carey's famous uh, um, sample that has already been a hit twice is now a hit for the third time. Um, but in, it's not technically a sample because they don't actually it's an use interpolation, the recording correct. of the, the original song. Right. They're kind of nodding to it, referencing it. It's not a cover because right. it's their Although own song. Although it sounds a lot like it. It was yeah, recreated. Exactly. It was sure. recreated so that cool. they don't have to use the master, but right. they do have to pay for publishing. Now, when you interpolate, that can eat a lot of the publishing. Like I know mm-hmm. f- for a fact that the Fergie sample in first class is like 60 something percent of that song. And sometimes <laughs> you have to give up that publishing in order to ride the chart, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. get it up the chart. So the context of that, where did this song come from? Why is it so hooky? Why is it mm-hmm. so danceable? It has history in, in gay New York. You know, yeah. that needs to be out there. All those stories that surround the music, mm-hmm. I still think you need music journalists for, you know, a blogger mm-hmm. can't always pull it off. And also, they're not fact-checked. They're not edited. You know, every one of our articles goes through like an editing process it's really about quality over quantity but Mm. also i want i would love to point out like a couple of stories that i thought were very important that we did especially during covid because it was the time when i was like oh i have time to pursue these stories i've wanted to do for so many years one of them was about the language and recording contracts and using the terms master and slave i'm sure ari you know, mm-hmm. as someone who works on music, you know, mm-hmm. there's a master recording and then there's the slave recording and it's used in tech. And it's really offensive to people like Pharrell Williams. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who told me how offensive it was. And I got mm-hmm. super interested and started digging. And I was like, okay, well, this is an engineering term. So where did engineering mm-hmm. start, you know, mm-hmm. in America? And then I went in this deep hole and, you know, learned about these little pockets in the middle of the country where they were printing, guess what? Ku Klux Klan orations. And these were the early records. So when Mm. they say master and slave, you start thinking like, oh, my God, this is like way more fucked than I even thought it was. Mm. And I put a lot of work into that story. Um, Jem Oswad, who works with me, did an amazing Mm. story last year about New York music scene after 9-11. We were both there. We, you know, experienced this horrible tragedy. We got to see Mm -hmm. the months after when it was like cleanup and Mm. what happened to the Strokes album that came out that week or the Mariah Carey record, you know, like, you know, Mm. he did an amazing piece where he talked to club owners and, you know, people really who, who were, had active projects at the time and, and how difficult that was. So, you know, yeah, it's not the old music journalism. It's not Lester Bangs. It's not like, this is how drunk I got, or this is how many lines of blow I did at the show. (laughs) You know, this is like, you know, this is the way I approach stories that i would want to read and i'm like Mm. a voracious consumer of content so i think i have a good nose for it yeah no that's great and and it's um you know i i it's appreciated to that there are still funded editorial staffs out there and 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 you know i think there isn't the lines are very blurred now that everything uh, under mass consumption is, exists online. You made a dif- you differentiated between blogs and j- bloggers and journalists and saying we're fact check and edited and they're not, but they're both one click and they're both True. on the same World Wide Web. And so right. when I when I read an article from you on Variety or I read an article from Joe Schmo on Joe Schmo's blog. To me, it's kind of the same, you know, well, not to me, but like to a lot of people, it could be the same. And they kind of get that's that's the challenge with like fact checking and fake news and yada, 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 all of that stuff. 
but it is, you know, I guess that's where the like brand recognition comes in. But there's also like, I don't know if you followed, you know, what Rolling Stone uh, started to do a couple of years ago. This was in 2020 where uh, with their culture collective program or whatever, you could literally pay a quote unquote membership fee to be part of their culture collective as Rolling Stone, (laughs) which gave you access to write whatever you wanted to write on rollingstone.com, get a byline, and you could literally, and there was no fact checking, there was no editorial oversight, and they're like, oh, but this is in the subculture community of this culture. You go to rollingstone.com, it's the same thing. And so it's like, how am I supposed to know that this is the one that's not fact checked and this is the one that is fact checked? And so when I look at that, I'm like, well, this Rolling Stone is supposedly supposed to be a legitimate music news organization that has this incredible history and, you know, has broken incredible stories over the years, to be honest. And uh, and then, you you know, with with real journalists working there and then you have something like this where it's like, wow, anyone can literally buy their way in to write and get a byline on this thing. Like, did you follow that story? Do you know much about it? Oh, Do you, what's yes. your opinion on that? <laughs> quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have, have... fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, two losses partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used And it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange. And they have a fraud prevention tool. And they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. uh, They have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Wow, did I follow that story? <laughs> I did. Listen, I mean, it's basically just an advertorial, right? You can buy an advertorial in a magazine and you can print whatever you want. And at the top, mm-hmm. it says advertorial and that's it. You know, it kind of mm-hmm. looks like the magazine kind of doesn't. But, you know, you, you'd you have to be a real, really discerning to see the difference. Right. Um, this is happening at websites all over uh, music websites where yeah. there's a pay to play thing that is going on. It's mm-hmm. very uh, disturbing to someone like me and to us as a, as a journalistic like operation because it's not journalism. And it, there's so much of it happening now. This is just another example with maybe a bigger name. Mm. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't like it. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I believe, uh, I believe Forbes has something similar. Not yeah. exactly the same, but I get tripped up on these websites, too, where I'm yeah. like, wait a second. Is this like a legitimate article? Or did, uh, you know, um, what's her 
did Rebecca Newman write it? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> like I need to know the difference. Yeah. Who is this writer? I've never heard of this person. So mm-hmm. even I get tripped up on it. And um, yeah, it's not a great practice. I don't really know what else to say since we're part of the same com- company, right? Uh, parent company. But, um, hmm. you know, yeah. I've also had friends who have been published and are so stoked. And I'm like, but I, I don't understand. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's like, you know, Forbes in particular, you know, it has the name similar to Rolling Stone. I've had some friends that have been writers for Forbes and they told me what they get paid, which is very, very, very little. Right. It's, it's like it's, it's like peanuts, right? Peanuts. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, they told me it's it's. Honestly, some blogs pay more than what they are paid to write for and, Forbes as a contributor. And they're not edited and it's just thrown no, up there. Yeah, I, I think that's wrong. The, website. Yeah. Yeah. They can the only thing I will say, Ari, the difference between us and the blog is we monetize that website. You know, there's 24 million people coming every month and mm-hmm. we sell, you know, we sell against that and the sure. blog can't, which means the blog might not be there in two years, but we definitely will. Well, that's not fair to say. I mean, what do you do, what do you call a blog? Because and what do you call a legitimate like a one man operation? Who? I mean, there's you know, there's plenty of blogs out there that are music blogs that are ten person operations that are not a legitimate news source with an editorial staff and all of that stuff. I see. I don't know where the line is to be honest, because it's yeah. like. I just Some don't the, see how they do it. Like, how do they make money? You know, like. Well, th- a lot of them have ads. A lot of yeah. like. Believe me, like, I mean, what do you consider music business worldwide? Let's go there. Well, they, we own them, too. <laughs> oh, now. See, They're I thought that was ours. a block. <laughs> so we monetize them. Yeah, exactly. Because we but they have... Used to st- they started as a one-man operation. They yes. started as just, um, you know, as a blog, I guess. And now they're a legitimate news organization because your parent company bought them? I don't know about that. Okay, okay. Fair, you know? fair. <laughs> oh, and just the bloggers. I, yeah, You yeah. know, not at all. No, I started as a blogger. I like to talk about it. No, this, I know? did, too. I yeah. had a fanzine. A fanzine was a blog. Like, you know, we all come from the same place. I get it. Sure. Yeah, so, you know, that's just like... The challenge of, of you know, as a consumer, as, like when I have my consumer hat on or I have my, you know, hat of just like trying to learn something and, you know, and I think it's like, I think there's a lot of poo-pooing from the uh, journalist class, if you will, of like, how can people be so stupid to believe this fake news and get off of Facebook for your news information, blah, 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 whatever. But I'm um, like... Where is the where is the line with this? And it's like, sure, he's like, well, believe your legitimate news sources. And then it's like, well, what's legitimate is music business worldwide when it was just run by the one guy. And now supposedly I didn't even know they that they're under the same parent company. I (laughs) thought it was still um, just him. But. Uh, you know, is, are they legit? Is digital music news? Is right. Ari's take? Is Variety? Is Forbes? Is Rolling Stone? Is Rolling Stone the piece that I just read on the Culture Collective legit? But it's under Rolling Stone, so right. it's so blurry right now. And it's like I, I like you know, it's it's why I kind of encourage my friends and colleagues and my 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 writer friends and journalist friends and everybody to like take a step back and just like you're embedded in kind of the understanding of how the whole system works. But the vast majority of people aren't. And even when I'm trying to find information, like someone confidently could post, you know, right. facts from mm-hmm. the music industry. And I'm like, oh, this is so niche. Why would anybody go through the uh, time to publish something, put something up on a le- seemingly legitimate looking website with hard numbers of something and, and not be legit. And yeah. not be legit. And off, and sometimes I've looked into those numbers. And I'm like, wow, these are check completely out. wrong. No, oh, they, they check out. It, or other way, they're wrong. Like, either yeah, way, yeah. it's like sometimes they check out and sometimes they don't. And okay, I was just it. like, you know, I'm somebody who is like, you know, I'll dig to the core. I'll like go deep, as deep as I, I can and try to fact check it. Most people won't. Um, you know, and it's like, where does – I don't know if you're familiar with Sherry Hugh and what she does with Water and Music – where does that fall? That's a mm-hmm. whole new class of stuff where like they're not even it's not, it's like they have a, a paid subscriber base. Right. There are no advertisements. They have 1500 or 2000 people that pay for their newsletter essentially and they do really really excellent reporting. But I I've, I've hit up Sherry and I'm just like uh you know, love you, completely respect you. 
these this is not correct and mm-hmm. this is the, you know and then they've corrected it and everything but it's like sure mm-hmm. there's not that level but the reporting that they're doing no one else is covering in the industry and so yeah. i feel like it's it's important too yeah, listen, I mean, I, I wish I had the money to roll up all of those sites because they're all incredibly <laughs> valuable. What Sherry yeah. does is very valuable. And yeah. I've used her as a writer before. And um, yeah, you know, you're you're not you're not wrong. I would say the advantage is um Google rankings, which does actually filter according to the legitimacy of the news outlet and the number of other outlets that cite the news outlets. So, mm-hmm. for example, like when, um, you know, somebody dies, like Kirstie Alley died recently, um, you know, that Variety obit is going to rank very high because Variety is a credible source in entertainment, which would cover Kirstie Alley. And this mm-hmm. is where your water and music and even your hits daily double, which I read religiously, mm-hmm. it just doesn't show up in search. And that's that's where they lose kind of part of that audience. But that's not to say it's any less important. I still go to hits every day and mm-hmm. I subscribe to Substacks and, you know, and 1,500 people subscribe to um, to Sherry's. Who knows how many subscribe to Bob Lefsetz, you know, right. like these right. are still too many. Uh, too, <laughs> these are still <laughs> ways to get information. And, um, you know, yep. we always say about hits and i worked there in the past so i feel like i could say this um you know maybe they reach twelve thousand people but they're the twelve thousand right people you know Mm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's a different formula but you're right that if you're a starting musician and this was a problem even when i was starting in the 90s you know it is really hard to find information and Mm -hmm. the donald passman book will only get you so much and by the way he had a thing in his book about master and slave and he made like a little quip about it that i made him you know alerted him to and he removed it from future Mm. editions when i wrote Mm -hmm. that article Mm -hmm. um you know so he's a you know he's old school like uh, you could tell and that's not relevant for the new music business um and i've met a lot of 20 something year olds who's like they're fucking brilliant you know they really see the system for what it is Mm -hmm. um it's not different you know in its foundation from what we do, which is promote music, get it out there, get it played, get it heard. But the the platforms are so different and you need to like know them. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the challenge uh, that I find. And, you know, who's going to teach you if you're an upcoming musician, like how to do this and how to do that? There's a million services out there that will post to all of your socials and all of your everything, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, you need to actually be focused and creative mm-hmm. and think and strategize. And who's going to tell you all that? So I hear you. Yeah, uh, I-, I will. Uh, but I- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ari will. Just watch this show and you'll know yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, no. But but yeah, no. And you're right. I mean. And and that's the thing. And I, I feel like just, you know, I, I believe we started with what is the uh, relevancy and, and focus of, of music journalism right yeah. now. But it's, you know, it, it is like who the audience is. And, and as us like, you know, you have said who your audience is and, and Variety's audience and, and, you know, and it's everybody who's getting, you know, those print subscriptions to Variety magazine, which, you know, there is still a, a large audience that gets that print subscription I, i'm sure yeah. um but and it's not cheap it's like 400 bucks a year exactly so these yeah. are these these companies that can afford that and their employees get the benefit of having that in the office when they go in if there's an office anymore but yeah and you know and so it's like but for everybody else that is kind of um emerging or not necessarily working at a big company and it's kind of like where to find the information and and where is the useful stuff out there so anyway i mean ari uh, just as a little aside i have in my office these like old directories from like you know a million years ago like your directory to management all of the record companies like you know those things as like funny as they seem today they were incredibly helpful because it was one place you know where you could find everything and they're out um, there and people you know, sell them. And that's the thing. And it's kind of like, I get, I get marketed to that all the time based on, you know, how well Instagram and Google knows me. I'm getting these ads all the time for, to buy these lists and mm. stuff. And, and it's kind of like, you know, uh, I, I interviewed this, this agent, um, a little bit ago and she was like, you know, the bo- a booking and she's like the era of, um, 
of not being able to find someone's contact information is long over. I mean, mm. you know, like like you mentioned, Mike Dean could just, you know, text yeah. uh, Zane Lowe Zane or something Lowe. to get on his show. Uh, anyone can DM anyone. Like, I literally, you know, I'm, I'm organizing. Uh, and it's just like, that's just kind of how it is. You're right. sliding into the DMs right now and, and you can do it. But with those lists that have all the contact information for everyone in the industry, it's a pro it's pros and cons because it's like yes you have that information but like now good luck trying to get anyone at Spotify to respond to your email or anyone's email because right. it's like their emails are now out there and everybody's trying to get an editor at Spotify to respond to their their email. But, Which yeah. was interesting by the way at Hitmakers because Spotify had a table and there were a bunch mm. of editors at their table and people in the room were like, "Oh my god, you got that editor?" and I was like, like now the editors at Spotify are like kind of like the way Superstars. we used to look at like big record people, Radio DJs, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. or A&R. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I would say like, you know, st- I mean, still to some extent, but, but more so five years ago, it was like the Spotify playlist editors were the most powerful people in the music industry. Now the most powerful gatekeeper in the music industry is not a person. It's the TikTok algorithm yeah. uh, or it's a Spotify algorithm, to be honest. And it's like I've seen, you know, within the back end of Spotify for artists. And I look at some of these artists that I work with and it's like what an editorial Spotify playlist ad does to your song. But then also what the algorithmic uh, leverage can do to the song, which is far greater. And then what a TikTok uh, viral Song thing could do to your song, which is even greater, far bigger than what any Spotify editor could do. And wow. uh, yeah, it's it's like a, you know, it's constantly evolving and it's it's so quick. And it's like where we're at right now with what is most powerful when it comes to reaching people. It's no longer the editors. I mean, like I it's they can do a little bit and they can they can help. But honestly, we are evolving uh, as uh, as as a as streaming community and Spotify will be the first to, to showcase this away from the human touch. Unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at it, into the algorithmic realm. Right. And the algorithm is more powerful now on Spotify than any human editor. And this is like now more a, a new thing. And it's like people, you know, it's it's uh, which for better or worse, it's like no. Well, it's going it, to get better because I feel like it's yeah. still early days, even in the algorithm. They're going to fine tune yep. it. You know, like the way that your listening habits continue once you're past your song that you clicked on, you know, that is going to be more refined and more specific to you. Um, I definitely see that, see that coming and Mm -hmm. basing it off of like emotions and lyrics and tone and all of those things um, Mm -hmm. that will come into play. So I don't know. I find it really exciting and interesting too, you know? No, it's great. I mean, it's like, right, Spotify uh, no longer, it's like we're less concerned about genre definition. It's more about mood and feelings. Yes, 100%. 100%. Right. And right. it'll keep people engaged longer. If you can yeah. get them to stick around for two more songs, that's significant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's what's so interesting, which I don't think most people realize is Spotify is a business. It's an app. It's a platform. Their main goal just like social media platforms, is to keep you on, on the, the platform. platform longer. And so, you know, it's like the editors have a boss too, and they can't just put on whatever they want willy-nilly because if the song that they put on because it's their friends or because mm-hmm. they, like, dig it, they really love it, but they're the only one who loves it, and somebody listens to that and then it gets them to leave Spotify, now they're dinged and they're, mm-hmm. they're you know, and that's a challenge for them. And similarly, like you said, like, the algorithmic approach is, like, what happens after you finish the album that you chose to listen to? Yeah. What Where are they going to play for you? Yeah. Right. And it, the whole focus is how are they going to keep you on longer, um, yeah. just like Instagram or TikTok. And that's the whole focus there. Um, God help us all. (laughs) Seriously. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've you've jumped on that. The train. I mean, I'm on my phone constantly. You know, it's just it's insane. The amount of screen time. It's it's crazy. Right. Right. So anyway, I'm uh, curious to to hear where you think the industry as a whole is heading and maybe what are some of the more exciting things that 
you have heard about, discovered, learned recently, something that is getting you excited of where the industry is heading. Mm. Um, what are, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Where the industry is heading. Well, I hear a lot of really good music now. You know, That's I good. feel like more is like kind of coming up to the top. Like I think Steve Lacey is a great example of like something that, um, I would have been into as a kid and I would totally, I, I am into as an adult. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that the good stuff is getting through. There's a lot of amazing female songwriters and singers that are coming out that, you know, not all of them will make it, but there's just so much talent out there. Mm -hmm. I love that kids are picking up instruments, you know, guitar sales, like really um, spike during the pandemic. Yeah. And now drum sales look like they're going up. Like, you know, I, I was a kid who like played in the orchestra and like was very exposed to music, to a lot of music and classical music, especially. So yeah. I'm thrilled about that. Um, the things that worry me are mm -hmm. things that I'm kind of active in, like the um, lyrics being used against rappers in criminal trials. Right. I think that's really fucked. Um, you know, can you discuss it, that a little bit for people that aren't familiar with what you mean there? And the yeah, cases? so you know, if you're a rapper and you get in trouble um, with the law, and it, it progresses to the to the point where you're gonna be, you know, um, where you're in court or you're in jail or whatever mm -hmm. it is, the prosecution has been using in certain states lyrics to mm. uh, prove as if they're proof of the person's guilt. And as we know about hip-hop especially, but all mm -hmm. forms of art, mm -hmm. they're not necessarily literary. They're not They're not literal, you know? Right, right. They are literary in that there's often a lot of fiction. There's often, you know, whatever makes the song works is the, the lyric that's going to get in there. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. fact. Sure. Um, and it's art. It's art. And it's like, it's to, it, you know, you would... It would be like using someone's movie. Well, you made a movie about a slasher and then right. you had a knife in, in your hand. So that means right. you're guilty. You yeah. know, like it's ridiculous. And I, I feel it's racist is what it is. But yeah, yeah, it's racist. Yeah. Exactly. And it's incredibly uh, discriminatory and it's um, prejudicial. That's the word. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the only thing that that states are being asked to do, and there's there's a, a bill that's um, in the Congress right now is just have answer four questions before you consider using the lyric, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, will this um, affect the jury negatively because of what rap or hip hop represents, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. there, there's a sort of checklist that you need to go through and it's not asking a lot, um, but it's very important. You know, we're looking at like talking about the 25 biggest songs of the year, push and P by Gunna and young thug, Mm -hmm. was like number 14 and they're both in jail and there's no yeah. hope of them like getting out and at their trial soon. at young thugs trial the lyrics were used against him and that's yes. the issue and and kevin uh, wiles from yeah. 300 had to go down to atlanta to speak as a character witness and they mm -hmm. grilled kevin wiles like he was like some dude who had like a corner store. This is a mogul, you know? This is someone mm -hmm. who is incredibly successful. It was almost like, well, why are you here and who are you? It's like, we gotta just give the respect to this art and stop yeah. treating it like, you know, like it's been treated in the past and it's really wrong. It's also interesting that that's a topic that came up in the 90s, remember, with like Interscope and the yeah. um, parental advisory. And also in the 90s was these problems with Ticketmaster and Pearl Jam. Well, <laughs> everything's and, come back around. It's all cyclical. But it's right? like literally we have, na we have yeah. made zero progress in the black lyrics arena and right. in the tickets and arena. The Nothing right. has well, changed. Now, now Taylor Swift fans are suing Ticketmaster. Uh, and so hopefully that might change something or another. And, and you know, um, th there was a congressional panel or at least some Congress members that uh, are, are looking into breaking up Ticketmaster, calling them a monopoly. So hopefully something will change. I'm not super hopeful. I hope so. Um, but I mean, California change. didn't California just pass uh, a law limiting the use of, of yes. rap lyrics. That's what you're saying. You know, yes. in California, California and New York are are ahead of the game on this. Right. The Young Thug Ghana uh, criminal um, trial is in Atlanta, which is right. a very weird situation. The whole, you know, Atlanta is the capital of hip hop. And, mm -hmm. you know, this just, it just doesn't feel right. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm very involved in that. I'm also, um, mm -hmm. I'm Israeli. I was born and raised in Israel. 
And uh, I go back a lot and have been, you know, very active on the whole concert cancellation thing. Right. You know, yep. this is another uh, it's a, it's a very similar issue. Why is music being punished? Films mm-hmm. aren't punished. Art, mm. art, visual art isn't punished. Why is it only music? Is it because we're an easy target? Because you can mm. convince a band because they have a little bit of social media heat that they could just pull. When when a band pulls a show, it's like millions of dollars. Are people are out millions of dollars, and people who are working the show and sold and we're expecting to go and enjoy it. Right. All of those things. And it's like, yeah, Israel's a tiny country and it's very hard. It's a very hard country to defend. But on this concert front, I feel yeah. like I feel very engrossed and engaged and trying mm-hmm. to to make it happen less. So that yeah. was the pros and the cons. Well, no, and and I I can relate and understand. I mean, there it's all um can be hypocritical in some capacity because it's like, right, are they not going after the films? But it's like, okay. Then why aren't you uh, why aren't you encouraging or or threatening or or you know uh, pressuring rather artists to cancel tours in certain states you know yeah. that have outlawed abortion like yes. where are you in that capacity and it's like oh you don't care they can go tour to all the all of the states that have outlawed abortion but when it goes to uh, a country that or anywhere that you feel like in the moment, you're, uh, it, it hit a social media cycle where you're outraged about that. But it's like, just look at home, what the fucked up shit we're doing. And yes. it's like, okay, like, just like, <laughs> do something, it's, like, talk about what you actually understand would be. And helpful. honestly, Ari, music and art is not about dividing, it's about bringing mm-hmm. people together, you know? And it's something that can be enjoyed universally and doesn't necessarily have politics attached to it musically, you know? Like, Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's such a bummer, um, again, just to see something that hasn't changed in so long. We're talking about decades here. You know, mm-hmm. no one will come to the table. No one will say, well, let's do a, a concert in Israel in a co, you know, a co-ed village, kind of like something sure. where you can bring the two sides together. That's not happening. And, yeah. um, you know, it's not like I'm taking advantage of a position, but I'm using this position to at least put the light on these issues that yeah. that just keep coming back around. Yeah, I mean that's an issue that uh, that has been happening now for decades. There's decades. no one that has uh, really uh, I, I don't really see an end in, in sight to to that um, challenging uh, discussion or or controversy or just yeah understanding or lack thereof for for the greater community um but anyway yeah i i think it's um you know where it's there's progress being made it's like you know one step forward three steps backwards in some capacity uh, where it maybe comes to Ticketmaster and and it comes to uh lyrics and and whatnot uh but hopefully we're moving in the right direction um i'm curious i i want this has been very fascinating and i really appreciate you you uh kind of going down these these crazy roads with me as as i just kind of (laughs) i love it yeah yeah i'm thinking that in this in uh, my train of thought moves but um, I have one final question that I ask everybody on the, the show. Um, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Just to be heard in whatever way. You know, I mean, I'm I'm heard through my outlet. And I have my my writers and our, our articles. And, you know, if you're if you have something to say, the beauty of TikTok is there it is <laughs> and you can say it. Um, and if you have something to sing, it's it's the same. And I've discovered and and so have labels. They've signed a lot of acts based on just people who put themselves out there and were incredibly talented. And that's kind of like the guts of the music business. Mm. You know, when you strip away all of the bullshit, it still comes down to like this person has talent or this person has star quality or this person has beautiful songs. You know, and um, I'm still a believer in that. And even seeing it from from the the view of the the C-suite, the people that we interview, it still seems like that passion is very pure. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've said in the past, like, would I have gone into the music business knowing how the sausage is made? Like now I know. So would I have done it again? I don't know that I would have, but every single person I've asked this question to in the music business has said a hundred percent. Yes. 
All right. So yeah. it's like Great. it's a it's it's a rough and tumble, sometimes dirty, very difficult, sure. ego driven, but also passionate and creative and wanting to to reach people. And and I try to find the good. <laughs> I try to yeah. find the good in how the music industry is run as opposed to, you know, the not so good. And you do. And you've done an incredible job. And, and I really appreciate all the work that you've done over the years. I have been uh, an admirer at a distance and have read mm. more Shirley Halperin articles that I could probably count. And I've seen you on stages from the back that, uh, you know, more stages than I could probably count as well. And so, uh, you know, we, we all owe a, hang. Yeah, I've, we're in the same city. I'll let you know the next show that I hit. And then uh, <laughs> please, and let me come close, to the yeah. songwriter showcase. And by the way, if I you will. want like a column of variety, like it's yours. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's, like, that's think about very it. sweet. Okay. <laughs> that's very kind. Shirley Halperin, thank you so much. This was really, really great. Thank you. Thanks. Today's episode was edited by Maxon Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. Episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com